Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we are continuing in our series of podcasts highlighting the, the ministries of DCC alumni, which we have titled, Where Are They Now? And we chose this theme to showcase several of our alumni as we lead up to our in-person homecoming celebration on Friday and Saturday, October 15th and 16th. And uh, our guest today is someone who's helping to plan that event. Mr. Louis Morello, good to have you, Louis. Thanks for allowing me to be here today. Yes, Louis graduated in 2000 with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Bible and Education. He then went on to receive his Master's in Organizational Leadership from Lincoln Christian University. He spent several years in full-time ministry, including stints at Lakeview Christian Church in Garland as their student minister, and then at Compass Christian Church in Colleyville as the Family Life and Development Pastor. And I believe in 2014, about that time, Louis transitioned into the role of being an owner and operator for a Chick-fil-A franchise, which is where he spends the majority of his time now. Is that a fair statement? That's correct. (laughs) That is. All right. He and his wife, Lori, remain actively involved in ministry at Compass. They have two children. A couple of interesting facts that I wanted to make sure everybody knew about is that that Louis was on and actually won his game on The Price is Right years ago. He is a yoga teacher, and this last December, his family, each year, they put out Santas on their uh, yard to help raise money for uh, ministries and charities here, and they had over 1,000 Santa houses. Is that correct? or Santa's at your house. Yeah, we had over a 1,000 Santa's this past Christmas. That's awesome, and raised over $58,000 to help Grace Ministry here in the DFW area. That was featured on many of the national and local TV networks, so kudos to you for that. Thanks. Thanks so, for uh, facilita- everybody that gave. Huh? Thanks to everybody that yeah, gave, making it that's, possible. That's a huge impact. So facilitating today's discussion is the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, a 1976 DCC graduate, yes. Mr. Mark Worley. So, Mark, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you and Louie talk about his experience as a minister and his experience as a business owner. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I, I'm really uh, looking forward to this because uh, Louie and I go way back. It just uh, absolutely love him uh, and have loved him since he, you know, I think before he even was a student here at DCC. Just uh, incredible uh, history that we have. And so, Louie, thanks for coming. I really appreciate that. And <clears throat> I think you you have a, a really unique experience uh you know, to talk about, because uh, you were involved in youth ministry in a very small church outside of Dallas here, and then you transitioned from there to a mega church. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty big place, and then transitioned to the business world. So uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, because, man, there's, there's people out there going, okay, uh, how do I know when to move? How do I know what I'm going to do? How do I know... Uh, God is calling me to different directions and stuff like that. So, so I know you started out at, at a, a smaller church after graduation. Uh, so, what was that like? Uh, it was definitely <laughs> one of my favorite experiences in life. Um, just looking back, it was an opportunity for me to grow, kind of into my young adulthood, um, really make an impact on some students, and kind of understand a little bit about myself and what it's like to be a leader. And I was newly married there. So I was just kind of figuring out my identity, you know, kind of 
past college and what it was like to serve in the local church. Yeah, I know. I know that was really an exciting time, man. I I, I went and talked to your youth group a couple of times, and and so uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't don't realize how formative a church can be, especially for guys coming right out of a Bible college. And uh, we've talked about that on one of these podcasts, just talking about elders nurturing and working with. Uh, I, I still use your questionnaire <laughs> for youth ministry. Uh, you know, usually, Scott, they, they, the, the, the elders have a list of questions and stuff for the, for the candidate, mm-hmm. but they're not really expecting the candidate to have, a, you know, they usually go, do you have any questions? It's like, no, no, no. And, and with Louie, it's like, do you have any questions? As a matter of fact, yes, yes I have. I had a list of like 15 to 20 questions <laughs> that I wanted answered. <clears throat> he did. And, uh, I still use that in, uh, practical ministries classes about what to do in an interview, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it's so important, you know, finding your first church, your first ministry, or even your first job. It's like a puzzle, you know, certain pieces go together and certain ones don't. And sometimes we can just bite at the first thing thrown our way, but that doesn't mean that necessarily it's the right fit. And so it was very important to me in looking for that first ministry that it was somewhere where I could plant my feet, be rooted and not just be jumping to the next opportunity because it didn't work out. Yeah, and if you want a list of those questions, I can still I can still provide those for you. But you know, I, and I share with the classes exactly what you just said. You know, because because we're afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we're like, oh, I'm gonna just gonna take that first thing, and it might not fit your leadership styles. It might not uh, be a place. I just remember uh, the church called me up and said, look, I don't know what you're doing at DCC, but uh, man, uh, we just had this crazy experience with a a candidate and i said well you should hire that candidate Mm -hmm. and they were like oh yeah absolutely we're gonna do that so louis uh you know how did you know okay it's like time to transition to uh, compass you know a, a a larger church yeah that that was a difficult um decision because i was so connected at that point in time to the church and things were going great we were really on top um, student ministry when I'd first gotten there was four students. Um, you know, two of them were the pastor's kids kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, by the time uh, I started making the transition, we were up to like 60 students and for a small church that was, I mean, we yeah. were a third of the church. And so, um, it was a difficult decision. I had kind of been praying about what was next. I was ready to be stretched and challenged in new ways and it wasn't that I felt like I was not serving at Compass, or I mean, at Lakeview, but I felt like there was probably more opportunity that I was being underutilized. And so we just committed to praying about it. And me and my wife took a trip, and it was one of those international trips where we turn off our phones and we don't have any access. And we committed to spending that week in prayer about the situation. Hadn't told a soul. And um, we get back on land. We turn on our phones. And sure enough, I had three messages from three different churches all at once. Um, And all different positions and different roles. And I felt like that was the sign for us to just begin exploring. Um, And so that's kind of how it began. Yeah, I don't know if this might be a a separate podcast sometime, you know, again. But, you know, what, what... What did you do? I mean, you're talking about going from four students to 60 in a small church. Mm -hmm. Now, there's maybe uh, some of our listeners are a small church. So just tell, what what are some of the things that you did? 
gosh, I think we just, um, I mean, we, we were there, we were present, we cared, we were active, we created events. Um, I got to know them personally. I went to their high schools. I attended sporting events, you know, I encouraged them, created service projects. We, we really just did stuff. It didn't, I didn't have to do anything amazing because anything I did was pretty much better than nothing, which is what they had before. <laughs> yeah. And so I could be like, hey, we're going to do Wednesday night church. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, it's Wednesday night church. Pretty much most of America is doing it. But, hey, if you, you know, and, and that's how we grew, you know, and we started getting youth leaders involved. And we had a, we had a great, solid base of youth leaders. I think I had 18 youth leaders when I left. Wow. And I think that attributes to the growth and that I'm one person. I can only accomplish so much. And once we got a solid team around us and we were just loving on those kids unconditionally and challenging them in different ways and meeting their needs, it, it just continued to, I think, be attractive to other friends and, yeah. you know, it grew from there. Awesome. So transition, you go to uh, Compass, which is a church of around 6,000, yeah. <laughs> like that. So, so what was... What was the transition like? There, there were definitely some hard lessons um, along the way. Um, you, you know, Compass is very leadership driven. And I think the the one thing that was impounded into me is that nice people do nice things, leaders lead. And it really challenged me to lead in a new way. Yes, we serve. We, we get our hands dirty. We get in there. But I was always challenged to look at it from a leadership perspective. How could I get others involved? How can I encourage them? How can I support them rather than always being the single person doing anything? I remember um, one, one day, I, it was the middle of the day, and I was painting an entire stage. And someone walked past me, a staff member, and they said, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm painting the stage. It needs to be done. They're like, is that the best use of your time? And I was like, well, I, it needs to be done. And they were like, well, couldn't you get some volunteers to do that? Couldn't you work alongside them? You know, use it as a time to also mentor them and encourage them and build a team. And situations like that challenged me to realize that it's not always about doing, you know, or maybe it is about doing, but it's doing the right things. And, and in the small church, I was used to having to do everything myself. You know, um, most of my leaders did volunteer, but they were more Wednesday night, Sunday night kind of program volunteers, not during the week. And so this challenged me in new ways, definitely leadership wise. So you went from uh, student ministry to family life ministry at, at campus. And then you started designing and planning. We were talking about that earlier today. You were designing and, and uh, I mean, you, you just did a variety of different things at the church. How did that happen? Yeah, so I, I was brought in to be the preteen pastor. Um, they knew that elementary, as they had it, you know, first through sixth grade was no longer going to work moving forward. That that fourth and fifth grade group was getting lost, and then they would disconnect from the church because they thought everything was too baby. And then sometimes they didn't recapture them at junior high. So I was brought in to capture that audience and um, worked in that role for about a year and three months until they, and then they made me the lead of the entire team. Um, and so I was overseeing 14 people, um, overseeing birth through high school. And as we, we added more campuses, I was overseeing those staff too um, and kind of their family life ministries. And then it just transitioned. I still kept the family ministries all the way till the end, but I did a lot of kind of administrative project management, um, you know, building new buildings, 
acquiring new land, um, mission projects, whatever kind of was on our executive pastor and pastor's plate that they didn't have time to do would get passed on to me and I would, I would run with it. You know, Louie, one of the things that I, I really appreciated about you during, during that time frame is a lot of people go from a small church to a large church and they get this big ego, but you were Louie. I mean, you were Louie in the small church. You were Louie in the large church. Uh, how did you keep that identity going? You know, I, I, I think, I don't know. That's a hard question. Cause I, it's, it's hard to introspectively look at that, but I would say that I'm pretty much me no matter what <laughs> you where are. I'm at. Like, you I'm going to do my thing. I don't really care about what people think. I've never been one to try and accommodate people um, in that manner and change who I am. Like, I'm confident in my identity and what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. And so I just stay in my lane. I do my thing, and I'm me, you know? Yeah. Good. So, so, okay, let's talk about a, a pretty big transition. You're, you're at Compass, things are going well, and then Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So, so Can I say Chick-fil-A? I, th- I think so, yeah. You can say Chick-fil-A. Okay, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. if there was some kind of proprietary thing. That's okay. a, well, it's my career. need to do a shout-out to your stores, too, so that our <laughs> listeners can. We don't have to go that far. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was at Compass. Um, this was one of those projects where um, we were partnering with a ministry called The Wind Shape, which is Chick-fil-A's nonprofit subsidiary that does camps, uh, marriage retreats, group homes, uh, all kinds of cool things. And Windshape was coming to visit the church. They wanted to see our new facilities that I had just built, and they wanted to meet with our pastor. And he said, hey, I don't have time to do deal with that, Louie. Can you deal with it? So I was their host for the day and hung out, had a great time, learned a lot about Chick-fil-A and their, their ministries and the things that they were doing. And I was thoroughly impressed. I always loved the product. I loved the brand. But digging deep into who they were just really uh, spoke to my heart. And I didn't think much of it. You know, we ended the day kind of just like a normal day and went on. I didn't come home, tell my wife about it. Didn't It was just a normal day at work. And a week later, they sent me all of Truett Cathy's books autographed. And I was finishing up my master's. And I thought, gosh, I can read these books, use some of these leadership quotes in my papers. It'll be good. And uh, I started reading the first book, and there was this sense of the Holy Spirit saying, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. And it was the craziest thing ever. Um, I came home that that next day or so, and at dinner I remember telling my wife, and she her first reaction was, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and so we went back and forth, and, and like in normal fashion, I will try every angle until I convince her of my way. Um, <laughs> I don't really relent very this is well. True. It is He's true. Like- life, <laughs> I know that eventually I can wear her down. And uh, so I did, and I said, "Look," uh, she said. She said, "You're not going to sell out. God called you to ministry. That's the highest calling. Why would you ever, you know, leave that?" And I said, "Well, can you imagine if this were my ministry?" And she couldn't imagine it. And I said, well, don't you think God's big enough that if it's not meant to be, he will close the doors? And she's like, well, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, so let's put the application in. I won't I won't push through any doors. If they close, I'll walk away. And I'll know that this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I was very content at Compass. We were adding more Campus, and I knew that there were plenty of opportunities for me to grow in different roles. That was one of the beautiful things about Compass is I never saw an ending there. And um, so I, I feel like... I wasn't running from anything. I was being called to Chick-fil-A. So, okay, so Chick-fil-A 
said, yeah, you're our guy? Three years later. <laughs> yeah, three years later, probably about 18 interviews into it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that that was the crazy thing. You know, you think it's like, oh, okay, here we go. No, you, you had to go through training, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was it was insane. And, and at that time, I think about 28,000 people were putting in their applications every year for about 80 spots. Um, now we're getting in over 60 to 75,000 applications a year and the spots haven't grown that much. It's maybe like 120 spots a year. So, so Louis, how is Chick-fil-A a ministry? So, I mean, I'll say to start with, we viewed it as that, you know, um, it's definitely a restaurant. I have to make profit. That's, it's a business. There's, there's no disputing that. Um, but when I, jumped into Chick-fil-A, like you have to create your own LLC that the Chick-fil-A operates out of. So the name, and I don't, I don't think I've told very many people this, I don't know why, but the name of my LLC is called Life Stewardship. And the wow. whole goal is that we're a steward of all of the assets we get in life. And so that was, that was the idea, is that through Chick-fil-A I could have a little bit more freedom in my schedule, my life. I could mentor kids, I could impact the community, I could serve some great food and help people in need when, when it was available. And, and those opportunities have not ever stopped since the day we opened. And so you open one, and you know, rarely do you get a chance to open two, but those, those of you who have flown into Love Field, if you go right outside of Love Field, that's a Louis Murillo Chick-fil-A. That so, is correct. Yeah. So I, I know that's an incredible story because usually they don't let you do two. Yeah. So they um, at at the year and a half mark, that second restaurant was being put in my area. And I was like, I've got to do this. I, that that one needs to go to us. My people were ready. They we were ready to expand. And, you know, Chick-fil-A said, no, you have to be an operator for five years before you can have a second location. And I said, well, I'm going to put my application in and we're going to dance the dance. If you say no, then you say no. But but I'm putting it in. And so we put, I put my application in and right at the two year, two day mark, I was granted that second location. Yeah. And Louie, I've seen, I've seen the ministry that takes place. Uh, I've seen it firsthand because I know one of the things that you do is you take some of your uh, store employees and uh, like we've gone to Guatemala together mm -hmm. a couple of times. And man, it's just amazing the transformation that takes place in their lives yeah. when, when you have taken them. Uh, we're running tight on time, but uh, tell a little bit about that because that's just so incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, tr I try and involve them. Like I'm pretty transparent with my life. And so we involve them in, in anything that we're doing, um, whether it be food packing at the church, whether it be you know, different ministries or things that we support, um, or like you said, Guatemala. I think my favorite story from that is on this last trip that we took about a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic, um, one of my employees, Emily, gave her life to Christ, yes. and we were able to baptize her there in Guatemala. Yeah, I got to be there. That was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just a, I love the idea, you know, because Jesus said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And some, somehow we get that term worker confused. We think it's like uh, pastors, mm -hmm. and it's not. It's just people who serve God wherever God takes them. 
And uh, that's what I, that's one more thing I love about you, Louie, is that you are a worker for the harvest field. Thank you. And that's, that's the way it works. And uh, I, I'm glad that you show the world a different way to be a worker for the harvest field. And you, you've done that from the beginning. I know you became a Christian, you know, in your teenage years as a result of a couple of incredible, wonderful Christian teenagers. Yeah. And uh, I love the way that you pass, pass that on, you know, that you have done the same with your life. Well, Pretty you. cool. Pretty yeah, cool. for sure. Really proud of you, my brother, as a DCC alum and, and just a brother. Absolutely. Do a, uh, a quick uh, promo for homecoming. So, t- so tell our listeners that are DCC alums what they can expect on Friday evening, October 15th. Yeah, so Friday, October 15th, we have an event at Compass Center. It starts at 6 o'clock. Doors are going to open. Um, I can just tell you we're going to have some amazing, amazing food. Um, I don't want to ruin the surprise of what's happening, but let's just say you're going to leave with just full and all kinds of amazing food. Um, I'm working with several alumni from around the class of 2099 um, that went to school with me. Um, Scott's lined up some great programming that's good. That's going to be part of that event. Um, you absolutely don't want to miss it. Yes, and you can uh, register for that by going to our website, www.dallas.edu. Right at the top, there is a link for that homecoming registration. We also are going to have an event here on our campus on Saturday morning. We have a a brunch with President Smith, and then also a volleyball match, followed by a Texas-style barbecue. Uh, that's going to be catered by the Holy Smokers from uh, Compass Christian Church. So you will not want to miss that. Yeah, and and, and Friday night is going to be so incredible because we're going to honor Dr. Kara Snyder. Yes. Uh, who has served faithfully at DCC for 50 years. Exactly. And we're going yeah. yeah, to honor uh, Paul and Dare Platt. Mm-hmm. Paul has been with Grundy Christian Mission for since he graduated from yep. DCC, and we're going to honor him. Uh, we're going to... We're gonna, Honor uh, Melvin Newland, who right. is a, a former president here and a DCC alum, and we've got a lot of surprises yes. that are so going to be happening, and it's going to be a great night. Want to be there? So, real quick, final last words: If I'm a listener and I'm trying to figure out how do I know if God's calling me to a new season, what's what's your 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 one word of advice? Wow, um, I would say start with prayer. And just being open to what God is is speaking. Yeah. Um, don't don't be quick to speak, but just be quick to listen. There you go. Great advice. I would I would echo that. I, and you you talked about the time frame on all these, the the seasons that have changed in my life have been the same. They that they weren't they weren't next week answers. They mm-hmm. were many times months and even years. So. Thanks for being with us today, and thanks for sharing. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, again, if you want to know more about Dallas Christian College, our degrees, what's happening, check everything out on our website at www.dallas.edu. We pray everyone has a great week. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast.